I always try to explain to people, if you had to pick one car for the rest of your life, and what kind of gas would you put in it? Would you put regular or premium in it? Um, would you wash the car? Would you detail it? Would you take care of it? Would you constantly do oil changes? So you got to kind of treat your body the same way because it's the only body that you're going to have. And if, if you feed it with junk, you're going to be sluggish, going to start getting overweight. Um, and then you get all these ailments. Welcome to Thrive in the Future podcast, positive solutions to help you thrive, designing your intentional life, homesteading, gardening, and rediscovering culture and tradition. Our sponsor this week is Strong Roots Resources. If you're looking for land in Tennessee or Kentucky, or you already have land there and you want to know how to use your land better, contact Kerry Brown because he can help you. He can do a property assessment and do an on-site property walk. He'll even tell you what kind of wild plants and trees and shrubs you have. So that's at strongrootsresources.com. At Grow Nut Trees, it's elderberry time. It's elderberry cuttings. I also have some plants left that are bare root. And also comfrey and comfrey crowns. That's at grownuttrees.com. Okay, welcome back to Thrive in the Future. This week I've got Clint from Fafo Farms with me. Welcome, Clint. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your farm. So we just launched this new endeavor back in June of last year after I lost my race for city council in Austin, Texas. No farming experience, no knowledge in farming, and no family that's currently doing farming. So you're in Texas. How far are you from Austin now? So we're an hour and 45 minutes northeast of Austin, just north of Colleen on the other side of Fort Hood. Okay. So after you lost your city council thing, then uh, how'd you go about getting the land and, and getting set up? So we were looking all over Texas, looking at different properties up in the Northeast by Tyler, uh, north of Houston. Um, we're just looking for a property that had over 20 acres, had access to water, a creek or a river, and had great fertile land around the area that we could do regenerative farming on. We also wanted to be a little bit more rural, uh, where we weren't by any major cities. I mean, we're living in a town that has a population of 300 people. I love it. Neighbors out here are a lot more friendlier. Uh, they want to be more proactive in helping each other uh, do things on the property. So it's, it's been great since we've been out here. I've been very welcomed to the, by the local community. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I live in northeast Kansas. So let's talk a little bit about the regenerative thing. On your website, you talk about regenerative farming. So what's the, what's the key points of that? And how do you so apply the key point, Yeah, key points of that is you're not using any herbicides, pesticides, or chemical fertilizers on your property. And so basically, you're using nature to revitalize the soil. Um, and by doing that, we do rotational grazing. So mm-hmm. we have cows, chickens, and goats. And so they are cows and goats and chickens that get moved every single day. Um, we start out with the cows. So the cows get moved first. Then the chickens go into the cow pen. So the chickens... They'll move around and break up all the poop. That way you're not burning the, uh, the ground with the cow patties. Um, and then the goats will come in after that, and then their urine will fertilize the ground along with the chicken poop. Yeah, and then you break the any kind of uh, parasite cycle there, right? And then you, you avoid uh, any parasites building up in the ground. So you don't, you don't have to vaccinate your animals because when you let the animals free range, they'll actually cluster in certain areas and they poop and pee where they eat. And that's why they always get all these worms. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so you have uh, chicken tractors, and you're using uh, um, Salatin's method then? Yeah, so my wife, I learned about Joe Salatin from the Joe Rogan Show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we picked up a couple of his books and started reading about it and then learning about different business uh, things that we could look into doing. Um, we started out trying to do the chickens, but it wasn't really big out here because a lot of the people, they're still buying their chicken from the grocery store. So when they see $5 a pound for a chicken, they kind of freak out when they're like, well, I can go get it at Walmart for $3. Like, yeah, but the taste quality is a lot different and it's a lot healthier for you because you're there. There's factory farming. Of course, you're going to get dirt cheap for factory farming. So it's just the quality of food that you want to eat. I always try to explain it to people. If you had to pick one car for the rest of your life, and what kind of gas would you put in it? Would you put regular or a premium in it? Um, would you wash the car? Would you detail it? Would you take care of it? Would you constantly do oil changes? So you got to kind of treat your body the same way because it's the only body that you're going to have. And if you feed it with junk, you're going to be sluggish, going to start getting overweight. Um, and then you get all these ailments. Yeah, that's true. I saw on your Twitter feed that you lost a lot of weight going out to the farm. How, what's your secret there? Well, it wasn't coming out to the farm. It was uh, switching over to the carnivore diet. So basically, uh, all, all I eat is 100% grass-fed beef. Hmm. Uh, we get our beef from Tennessee cattle because we don't raise our own beef. Um, and then I get all of our eggs from our chickens. So for breakfast, I'm having anywhere between four and six eggs. And then I'll have beef the rest of the day and then my raw milk. So I'm drinking uh, drinking about half a gallon to a gallon of raw milk a day. Wow, that's pretty good. So what sets the raw milk a- apart? I've heard lots of people say that it's a lot easier to digest. You don't have the you don't have the stomach issues and everything else, right? Well, it depends on what uh, type of A1 or A2 milk it is. So if it's A1, A2 milk, um, people that are lactose intolerant, they're still going to have issues digesting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to go for the A2, A2 milk. Um, now, if they can go with goat's milk, which all goat's milk is A2, A2. And so what ends up happening is when you buy the milk in the grocery store that's pasteurized, the reason why they pasteurize it is it gives it a longer shelf life. So raw milk, it's only about 10 to 12 days before it starts uh, starts to spoil and go sour. Um, with pasteurized milk, it'll be in your fridge for about 30 days. Mm-hmm. Now, when you pasteurize the milk, you kill out, you kill all the enzymes and all the good vitamins out of it. So basically, you're just drinking flavored water at that point and mm-hmm. calcium. Flavored water, plus the stuff they add back in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the new milk that they got uh, where they put in um, the, uh, the lactose back into the milk. It's like, just drink raw milk with it. <laughs> yeah. So do you sell your raw milk or how do you, how do you do that? So we have a farm share program and so our, our minimum program is $25 a month. Um, get you a portion of the share of the cow where you can get up to two gallons of milk a month. And uh, that's for our raw milk beginners. They're not too sure if they want uh, to have a raw milk consistently. And then we have our raw milk enthusiasts, which is $50 a month. And then you can get up to our bronze, uh, silver and gold membership, which is $100, $200, a month. That gets you access to our butter, raw cream. Um, you could also add our pastured poultry and our uh, eggs onto that, and then our goat milk soap as well. Wow. So how much milk do you get for like $50? That's $50. Our $50 membership is uh, four gallons a month. Oh, okay. So I saw you add some... Uh... Some fun with the department of making you sad on that. How that what happened with that? It didn't make me sad. Maybe more frustrated that because 
I built a lot of enemies when I ran for city council uh, against the Marxist out in Austin, mm-hmm. and they stalked me on social media. And they've actually gotten uh, my personal account banned. Still haven't gotten unsuspended. It's been over four or five months now. But now they follow our our business page, and they were reporting us to the health department, saying that we we're selling mel- uh, raw milk and <clears throat> Yes, we were advertising raw milk on social media, but we weren't selling it uh, at retail at that time. Uh, we got a call from the health department. They told us, hey, you can't sell raw milk retail. I was like, well, that's fine. We haven't yet. Um, we'll just switch to a, a farm share program. And then they said it's perfectly fine. And then it was maybe three weeks later, there was a tweet on social media talking about how the cost of groceries, they were comparing it from like five years ago. And then I, they're like, $85 only got me like four avocados, a bag of grapes, a bag of apricots, and this juice. And I was like, well, $85 will get you this at our farm. And it's kind of comparing, like, if you join one of our memberships, this is what you kind of get access to for like $100, but $85 will get you this. Well, they reported that saying that we we're marketing and selling our uh, dairy products on Twitter. I was like, no, that's a way you bring people in. I don't know if you've ever ran, a, I was talking to the health department. I was like, I don't know if you ever ran a business, but there are marketing tactics to pull people in. And that's what you need to do. Because um, I previously ran a solar company before I ran for city council as well. Mm-hmm. You talk about the raw milk to get them to take the farm share or cow share, right? Yes. Hmm. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. So I, I noticed you, you have a mammoth donkey. What's the donkey's name? Penny. Yeah. yeah my, wife, my wife named her. And so the fun fact about the mammoth donkey is they uh, they were a gift from, uh, from Spain to George Washington. And mm-hmm. so every mammoth donkey in the United States has a lineage to George Washington's donkeys. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a mini donkey that uh, we got donated to us. She was in a pen with a bunch of goats and the goats were budding her repeatedly so we we got her when the folks moved and then we we just recently got a pony cart and we're training her to use the pony cart so we're looking forward to that and now now we got that snow and uh it looks like you're going to be really cold this week this weekend too yeah it's going to get down to 10 degrees on monday mm-hmm. yeah it's uh zero tomorrow here in kansas it's zero tomorrow and minus 11 for a low plus the 25 mile an hour wind. So how do you hunker down over there when it's going to get cold like that? So right now I'm building a new pen and a a shack for our Billy because several of our goats are pregnant and one has given birth already. Mm -hmm. So we don't want him to be in the same pen with them um, and get the uh, other goat that had a baby pregnant again. Um, because she right now she's giving about a gallon of milk a day. And so if she gets pregnant again, we lose out on all that milk because she'll go dry again. I've been over the last three days or two days, I built the pen, and now today I'm putting up the fence and I'll be building the gate. And then I'll be putting in the hay in there for him. And then later tonight, we're going to put on all their, uh, their co- uh, coats. So we get some winter coats from them from my in laws that bought them. And so all of our goats will get them. I'll put them on the cows. And then the, if we can get the mammoth donkey, uh, she doesn't like being caught. She just wanders the whole property. She's more of a guard animal uh, that pre- protects the from coyotes and foxes getting on here. 
Yeah. But typically she she just hides in the woods or she'll go in the giant shed that I built. Wow. So she taken out some coyotes. I've seen video of, of donkeys taking out coyotes. No, not yet, but she has popped off a squirrel's head. <laughs> we have a dog next door and Jenny will, when he's on our property, not supposed to be on our property, she'll lead him along and then she'll just whip around on him. And I'm like, yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna bite it here before too long. She's gonna get him. Well, good. So, what other tips do you have to like fight the the war on food? So, I always recommend people start connecting with their local farmers, buy from them directly. They'll support them. They'll get more profits that they'll be able to return back into their own farm to be grow larger, provide more products. Because the, the biggest downfall with farmers is when they're trying to get their food into stores, they're basically getting about two to three cents off of every dollar that they make. But if you buy from them directly, it's a lot larger profit. Plus, you're getting a lot healthier food. You know your food's coming from, um, so you can tell the quality of the food. And then also, if you can, start growing your own food. Even if you have, uh, you're in an apartment, you, you can grow your own vegetables or fruit on, on your patio. Um, just becoming self more self-reliant and understanding where your food is coming from, especially when like people like Bill Gates are buying up all of these farmlands or partnering with most recently like Bragg's apple, apple cider, uh, apple cider mm-hmm. uh, that's owned by Katy Perry and uh, Orlando Bloom. Uh, really? They use those apples that they sp- spray that enamel on that's super toxic for you and it's a carcinogenic. And so that's the uh, now that was supposed to be the healthiest apple cider on the market. Now it's not. So basically, you're drinking poison with that stuff. Oh wow! So it got bought by Katy Perry and Big Ag, and and it it's not it's not organic anymore. It's sprayed with no. this stuff. And it's it's mislabeled. So I mean, if I had the money, I'd sue them, but I don't. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. We had uh, last spring at the farm store. They started taking names of people who bought chicks. So, oh yes, we have to track that for the Department of Environment and Health. And I'm like, okay, so are you going to require ID? And they said, no. And I said, oh, my name's Smith, John Smith. So they didn't do anything as far as I know, but it's just it's just waiting for them to pull something like that. Yeah, we just started breeding our own chickens. So we're, we're going to start breeding our own Rhode Island Reds uh, for egg layers and then it's Basically, we're going to use it as a dual purpose, mm-hmm. um, but we can't sell the chicken uh, as whole birds after the three years because they'll stop laying eggs after three years. We, we call them crockpot chickens Yep, because that's the only way you can eat them is putting them in a crockpot to tenderize that meat, which is going to be too tough to eat. We're also going to be doing freedom rangers that we're going to be breeding ourselves. Uh, we got about 50 of them right now. And so we, we got a straight run um, from a local hatchery out here. We got to figure out which ones are the roosters. We'll pull out about five roosters and three hens per each one and then start breeding our own uh, to have our own meat out of raise. And then we're eventually going to get into pigs as well, maybe raise two or three pigs a year. Uh, one pig for ourselves, and then uh, two pigs to sell. Wow, that sounds good. How many acres do you have there on your farm? 22. Oh, good. Yeah, you've got a lot of a lot of space for that. So you paddock off the the cows and everything, and you move them once a day, right? Yeah. So we got uh, Premier electric fencing. Mm-hmm. 
with those solar uh, electric boxes. Sure. And so those get moved every single day. Um, it takes me about to move all the animals every morning. It takes me about 45 minutes. How's the animals and everything holding up in the cold? Uh, we lost six baby chicks. Really? Yeah. Unfortunately, the uh, even with the heat lamps, the kind of the bigger ones trampled the smaller ones and suffocated them. Oh no! No, oh, wow. Yeah, we we have trouble where uh, until we insulated the chicken house, they were getting frostbite. We had to insulate it really well this year. So you've been at this for about a year. What kind of advice do you give to new folks starting out on homesteading? So if you're starting out new, don't overwhelm yourself with too many projects. Focus on one project at a time and get that completed before you move on to the next. Try not to go with too many animals in the beginning with if you don't have an experience with them. And also do your research on the animals. Just don't buy them and pick them up and head back. At least meet them, uh, see how their demeanor is before you load them up and drive away. Because uh, we made a bad purchase with some Dexter cows, drove five hours to go get them, and ended up lo- took us a couple hours to load them up because the, ba- the baby didn't want to get loaded up. And then when we got them back to the property, they were just so difficult to work with. And that was because the previous owners didn't really work with them. They just had them on, the, on one side of the property, let them do what they needed to do, and then would milk them um, when they wanted milk. Hmm. Uh, so they weren't being consistently worked with. And then the next cow that we bought was the Jersey cow. And we drove four and a half hours just to see her, see where her demeanor was, uh, see how easily she was uh, to milk. And she did great. And then uh, she was pregnant at the time. And she's supposed to give birth within the next seven days. So we waited until she gave birth. Then we came, uh, drove up that morning when she gave birth and then drove back with her and her calf. The jerseys are amazing. Unfortunately, during the summer, during the drought, um, all these spores came, uh, came up on the property. Mm-hmm. And uh, the spores are overeating. They cause overeating disease, which I've never even heard of until one of uh, the calf caught it. And basically, uh, it gets uh, calves. It can get baby goats, uh, donkeys, and horses. Um, that's about it. Uh, but basically, it kills the animal within 24 hours. It just rots their gut from within and causes them to overeat. That's why they call it the overeating disease. Wow. So, so you lost one of your cows to that? Yeah, we lost her calf, unfortunately. One, she was, one day she's fine playing around, running around, doing her little zoomies. And the next morning she's she gone. And the vet says there's nothing that you can do to prevent it. There's no way. Um, basically, once you find out you have those spores in, your, in that soil, it's there for 100 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's nothing you can really do. And it only really pops up when it's when there's a huge drought or there's a lot of flooding. And so we don't really, really worry about flooding in our area because uh, of how our land is. Um, but when the drought does come, I, I saw the spores. So I know, what to, I know what to look out for. So when we are moving uh, cows around the property, I do know what to look out for now. Now, does it show up a certain way on the ground? Yeah, they 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 look like little mushrooms, kind of. Mm. But if you step on them, they kind of turn into black dust. Okay. Uh, so it's like a little uh, spore powder that goes everywhere. So when uh, when it does happen to be a drought again, we can navigate around around those when they pop up on the property. Wow, that's amazing. I've never heard of that. That's crazy. 
Yeah, you learn you learn a lot of new things when you get into this uh this industry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've had our we've had our share of that kind of stuff too. So that's that's interesting. Any other things you want to share? Get chickens. Get chickens, <laughs> yeah. We got our mobile coop, which is yeah. where all of our Rhode Island Reds are. Mm-hmm. And we have our master coop, which are our personal chickens that we're going to be breeding. Right. Um, so we got a, a, a cochin um, rooster. We got a Easter egg rooster. We got a frizzle rooster, an Americana rooster, and then two other roosters that I can't remember the breeds of. Um, mm-hmm. But we're going to start breeding those and kind of mixed breeding them. And we got some speckled sexes as well that we're going to um, breed with our Rhode Island red rooster that we got. Um, just to kind of increase the amount of eggs that we get each year. Right. And I'm also going to start um, raising our own Rhode Island Reds and hatching those as well. Um, so we don't have to deal with hatcheries. Mm-hmm. We got a giant, just a master coop that doesn't move. It's a stationary. So basically I let them out in the morning and they fr- they get a free range on five acres. So they have all the, uh, the backside. And then we got uh, 15 acres that we do ro- uh, rotational grazing on with the rest of the animals. So Clint. How does someone contact you? So you can go to our website at www.fafo, that's F-A-F-O, farms, F-A-R-M-A-S-T-X.com. Or you can follow us on X at Fafo Farms TX. We also are on Facebook as well uh, and Instagram. Great. That sounds good. Hey, if you like this episode, leave us a tip on Venmo or Cash App at Thriving the Future. Or join the Patreon, patreon.com slash thrive in the future. You get early episodes and you get extras. Thank you. Check out Thriving News. That's where Perpin and I share longer form articles about homesteading, mindset, milpa gardening, food forest, etc. Go check it out at thrivingnews.com. Thank you for listening to Thrive in the Future podcast. If you like what you hear, please click that like or subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Thrive in the Future and also go to thriveinthefuture.com.